You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Intercepted, presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda, and I'm joined here by a very special guest, Brad Spielberger. Say what's up to the people, Brad. Hey, what's going on, everybody? So, Brad, I wanted to talk to Brad and bring Brad on because not only is he a Chicago Bears fan, he's also a cap expert. Um, you you used to work for the Vikings, right? What did you do with them again? Yeah, I was a legal intern uh, back with another NFC North team uh, about four or five years ago now. So I want to talk specifically about the Packers cap situation and how it relates to next year. Because I feel like we're finally at the point where we can start looking forward. The Packers right now on 538, they have a 3% chance to make the playoffs. I mess around with it. I had them win every single game from here on out. If that happens and they win out, they finish, uh, what is it, uh, nine and eight, they still only have a 43% chance of making the playoffs. Like they need help even if they win out. They are not in control of their destiny at all. Um, this week, they made an interesting move. They converted, you know, a million and a half of uh, Dean Lowry's salary this year into a signing bonus. So what that does is, it splits between now and the void years, right? Um, so only a little bit of that counts this year. And you're probably wondering, why the hell do the Packers need more cap space right now? It's not like Odell Beckham Jr. is signing with them, right? I mean, those pie-in-the-sky signings are now gone. The Packers were top 10 in cap space before that move. I think right now they're like at eight-ish, if I remember correctly. Um, feels like some sort of extension is coming. So maybe that's, you know, Rashawn Gary, the outside linebacker. Maybe that's left guard Elton Jenkins. Um, Elton Jenkins is a free agent. Rashawn Gary is going to be playing on a fifth year option next year. Um, that's certainly in terms of like cap numbers. I think it's like $11 million or something like that. That's something you want to touch, right? That's we don't want a 10, $11 million cap hit for Rashawn Gary next year. So that's the other option out there. It seems like they're finally looking forward. And we saw this kind of that last McCarthy year too. That's when they got a bunch of deals done right at the very end. Um, and they were just like, let's just exhaust our cap space right now. And, and hopefully that helps us moving forward. But the Packers I've seen numbers and I know, I know it can uh, adjust, right? Like the, the, how many dollars are over the cap, you know, in February, isn't going to be the same as, you know, after final cuts. Right. So I've seen it up to like $30 million that they're going to be over the cap at, at some point this, uh, this upcoming season, what can they do to keep this team around? If Aaron Rodgers does want to play for the Packers next year. And we've talked about it and joked about it and referenced it as the big red button, right? He gets to decide when this is over. Like this is going to be a him decision. If he wants to, if if you want to move away and he just says, oh, I want to retire, you're eating all of that cap space immediately and your team isn't going to get any better at all, right? So I think you appease him, whatever he wants to do. If he comes to you and he says, I want to trade this offseason, 
I think you do it. I think if he says, I want to keep playing here and I want to retire here, you and I'm making $60 million or whatever it is this upcoming season, yep. you have to do it too. So what direction can they go from here? Yeah, so first on Rodgers, the good thing is they basically structured this option. It's I've never seen a window this large where they can choose to exercise the option the day the season ends all the way through the day before week one. They have that entire window to either, you know, like you said, trade him, keep him there, you know, push the option money down the road, whatever they want to do there. So uh, I had some good news, I guess. We have about $6.5 over next year's cap, so not the 30 number you've seen. And they also have the second most players already under contract for next year with 45 guys. So that plus the draft class, you already have a full roster. Obviously, you're going to shuffle some things around, move on from some players, bring some players in. But it's not too dire to where, yeah, they're the Saints or, or something like that where they're $50 million with no talent. They can figure it out. I, I think we can get into this a little bit, but the toughest decisions that I foresee is probably David Bakhtiari, I think, is the, is the yeah. most interesting situation coming up. And – Bakhtiari situation. So looking from afar, right? I, I don't know how familiar familiar you are with his situation. Obviously, right? ACL tear 2020, New Year's Eve, um, doesn't play for a year, basically just gets in that first half with the Detroit Lions. The the situation this year has kind of been the thing that's since he's returned to the field full time, right? The thing that's been an issue with him is actually turf. If you look at it's it's the turf games that are really kind of giving him issues. I think the only turf game he played all the way through was the, if I remember right, the Buffalo Bills game because that was the game where Elton Jenkins, because of his foot injury, couldn't go on the turf. And then it was like his backup, Zach Tom, is already replacing Elton Jenkins, so they didn't have an opportunity to like do that whole rotating thing. And then since then, he's basically played you know every snap of these games. But that was the weird game where. Or, or the the Lions game was the uh, the other one that was on turf. That was the weird game where he plays the first half, the entire first half. He gets a pass thrown at him that ends up getting intercepted. Doesn't play the entire second half at all until the two-minute warning. And then he's fine to go for the two-minute warning. And it's like, at, at this point, I, I'm like comfortable with Bakhtiari on grass. And I believe the rest of the games um, for the Packers season are all on grass. But on turf, it's like, I don't, is it ever... Is he ever going to feel good? Like it's, it seems like to some extent, it's like a confidence thing in his knee. And like, that's certainly weird. I've torn my ACL twice. I had a, I had unhappy triad for people who had uh, knee injuries before where you blow out. What is it? Like your, it's your MCL, your ACL and your LCL. And then you blow out your medial meniscus. I did that. That wasn't fun. Um, Definitely took some time before I was like, confident in being able to like cut on that leg but it seems like Bakhtiari's thing is like on turf and it's um inflammation so like he was talking about he's getting all these cc's drained out of his knee all the time and it's like can you trust that and the other thing too is correct me if i'm wrong unless it's a post june one they really don't save a lot of money by moving Bakhtiari next off season right so if they just like release him it would have to be a retirement thing and I know people don't want to hear this, but like you got to look at the money there and be like, if you're David Bakhtiari and you don't feel comfortable, like if they're going to pay you $20 million or whatever it is, like you're probably going to take $20 billion no matter like if it helps or hurts the team, they're going to be mercenaries in that way. And they should be acting like that. If 
someone owed me 17 and a half million and I just had to show up and, and, and battle through some, some training camp practices, I'd probably do the same. Yeah. But yeah. the turf, yeah, the, the turf thing is super interesting because it's obvious that it doesn't matter for every game, but Detroit and Minnesota in particular have this slit film turf, which is like the specific turf the NFL wants to get rid of. So, yeah. you know, two games a year are going to be on that surface. It's yeah, that whole, that's a whole other conversation for another day, but yeah, it would have to be a post June one. You can't designate a couple guys in the beginning. As post June one, you have to carry their cap hit the whole offseason, though. So mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't actually clear, like you said, it doesn't clear much room until later on. I just wonder if do they think with maybe Yash Nyman, put him at left tackle. Maybe they think Zach Tom's good enough to play the right side, or you put Elkton at right tackle. I mean, he just moves every single snap, it seems like. But do they think they have enough to replace it? And also, it goes back to Rodgers. Like, is Rodgers going to be furious yeah. if they, you know, cut, which he probably will be? Yeah. I mean, that's his buddy. Every day in training camp, you see the videos of them rolling up together in that damn golf cart. You're like, I'm. when is David going to play? What was kind of the situation there. Um, you brought up the, the turf. I mean, we've seen it ourselves. Like, Devondre Campbell hasn't played. He's probably going to play this week. But um, the starting inside linebacker, first team all pro last year, he got hurt against um, Buffalo on that turf. And Rashawn Gary had the non-contact ACL tear the very next week in Detroit. So um, not great. I, I do. It's interesting to see like kind of how people talk about the different kind of turfs. Cause I even people brought up the slit film turf. Right. And uh, I think it was JC Treader brought it up. So I ended up going down and researching. I still don't understand exactly what it is. Like it, it's like way deeper than I thought it was going to be the turf and all that stuff. But like, they even talk about green Bay where it's like, they have some sort of like fortified field where it's like half turf, half grass. And it's like slippery. You always see guys like that first quarter in green Bay, the road team, they're just slipping all over, slipping and sliding all over the place. Cause they don't have the right cleats on and they're not adjusted to it yet. It's interesting conversation about the playing field surfaces. I feel like the easy answer is just standardize it. Right. I mean, the soccer guys bitch and moan constantly. If they play on turf, they freak out. They're just not going to yeah. do it. Like, they get mad. Um, so, I mean, more power to them. Like, if if some of these soccer stadiums have the ability to have, you know, a turf field and a, and a grass field, if the Arizona Cardinals and the Las Vegas Raiders have the ability to, like, wheel turf into the stadium, like, you should complain. <laughs> like, we're seeing yeah. all these injuries. How much, like, if if – now the Packers aren't in a, don't have a playoff chance right now, right? They don't have, or I guess they have a playoff chance. They don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I'll come out and say that with a hot take of that, right? But if they somehow could sneak into the playoffs, like not having Rashawn Gary is the X factor of that. Like you just don't. The entire Packers scheme is built around like, can you get five on five up front and win some of these pass rushing battles? Well, if you don't have Rashawn Gary, you can't. So like. That should be incentive enough for some of these teams, I feel like. I don't know. Like, if if your home team plays on turf, like, aren't you like, wow, we're making really we're, – we're, we're not getting our bang out of our bucket when we spend money on these players. The dumbest thing. I mean, the best example, so MetLife in New York also has it, and, and they lost Wondell Robinson and Sterling Shepard to non-contact knee injuries on their own home field. It's like – what do you do? And then you complain, oh, we don't have any receivers. Like, yeah, because you won't actually protect. And the last piece here, too, is the big tell where the NFL tries to say it's not that bad. 
teams don't let certain players practice either. Like Chase Young has been practicing outdoors. If it rains outside and they have an indoor practice, he does not practice. Like that's, it's so, the, the teams know it, sports scientists know it, and then they just try to kind of, you know, push under the rug, so to speak, when, when it comes game time. Yeah, and it's, uh, LaFleur brought it up a couple weeks ago because this was, again, they haven't played a turf game in a while, but LaFleur even brought up like when they're playing turf games on the road, they like to be outside in, in their, you know, their their grass practice field. They have the indoor facility that obviously has turf, but then they have the outdoor field that they practice on on grass. And his whole thing is just like, if you practice on turf the entire week and then play a game on turf, like it's just going to like wear down those joints and stuff. And all you you can listen to the guys. I mean, I I think the turf stuff makes a lot more sense as like a risk to player health than Thursday night football. Cause you look at the stats on Thursday night football, you can hear the anecdotes from the players. Right. And they're like, this sucks. The whole week is compressed. I don't feel like myself, all that stuff. But then you actually look at the stats and I I'm not discounting that I'm sure cramming an entire week of practice into three days, right in between games sucks. I'm not going to discount that. And you know, even the coaches and stuff complain about that. But you look at the injuries, there's no real injury difference between the Thursday night games and games on the other days of the week. When you look at the turf numbers, it's crazy. It's it's there's a pretty clear difference in like, you know, non-contact injuries and stuff like that and, and concussions. I mean, having your head land on what is basically, you know, a rug over uh cement in some of these situations. Yeah. That's not good for you. That's not good for you. No, no, it's really not. No, that's the thing, too, is you can't be preaching player safety and then there's like an obvious fix out there. And yeah, like I, I think you can trust anecdotes like the data. It, it's it's not a huge gap for some things, but if it's a small gap and the players are saying it, I, I feel like that should probably be enough. Yeah. And all the sports science coaches, right? That or the whole tree that came from um, McVay, right? Like all LeFleur, yep. all those guys, all the people who are doing the player tracking and practice, like giving guy, random guys you know, uh, veteran days off and stuff like that. If they're yeah. the ones coming out and saying like, yeah, we can't practice on turf the same week that we play on turf. Like, I don't know. Should raise some eyebrows. Like You'd these think. guys seem like they know what they're doing. Um, I would say beyond Bakhtiari, the other two major questions that the Packers have is one, what do you do with Kenny Clark? And one, what do you do with Aaron Jones? And those are different conversations, I think. Um, Aaron Jones is having a great year. I think he's a pro bowler. I think he's the Packers only pro bowler at this point. I mean, we'll see what like Christian Watson could do down the stretch, but I think pro bowl voting will be done by then. Um, and I don't know if he's going to keep up the pace of six touchdowns in three games, but you know, he is an aging running back. And then that conversation has to come up of like, okay, we can do the salary conversion thing. Right. And, and push more money into the future. Do we really want to push more money into the future for an older running back? And then the conversation with uh, Kenny Clark is really like, do we want to extend him again? And he's having the last month or so is probably the worst month of his play that we've seen. Like he's been kind of invisible really for the last month. And it's a shame. And that defensive line isn't very good outside of him and Rashawn Gary going out certainly didn't help, but that becomes a conversation of like, okay, do we want to convert his salary or do we actually want to extend him? I think those are the two major contracts that they can touch because correct me if I'm wrong, they can't really do anything with Rogers deal the way that it's constructed. No. Yeah, no, no. So, so first Aaron Jones, it's, it's interesting because 
when that contract came out, you ask any cap person, like, all right, this is a two-year deal, and then in 2023, he's there's a 90-whatever percent chance he's gone. But he's been so good, and he's the best, most consistent weapon on the team, but he's owed $16 million next year as a 29-year-old running back. So, and this isn't even, like, you know, running backs and all that stuff. It's just, like, that's a lot of money to... Um, you know, but at the same time, AJ Dillon hasn't really, I think, progressed as maybe they'd hoped. He's a fine player and he's a solid number two running back. But, you know, maybe they, if they thought he could be a true three down workhorse, I feel like they, they throw him the ball less and less. They kind of try to talk up that he could be a receiver. He had a couple drops earlier this year and now they've kind of gone away from that. Kenny's interesting. I think, I don't know. I think you probably have to ride it out and, and see if he can kind of have a bounce back year. It reminds me a little bit of like a Javon Hargrave getting out of Pittsburgh where he had a down year that last year in Pittsburgh. And obviously now he's been incredible in Philadelphia. Yeah. Bit of a different role. They kind of let him pin his ears back and rush the pass through. It was more of like a note, like a zero. He, one was, he was a nose tackle, even though he was the smallest one out of those three linemen for the Steelers. It's funny watching because you think, I mean, Kenny Clark is what you think of when you see, think of nose tackle, right? You yeah. think of 330 guy. Then you have little Javon Hargrave. I mean, I say little, like he's not <laughs> right. massive in front of me. Um, smaller for a defensive tackle, and then you have Stephon Tuitt and Cam Hayward around him, and you're like, "Huh, that's an interesting, right, right, right. That's an interesting way to do it." Yeah, no, for sure. So, but yeah, I think you just stick it out. Hopefully, you know, growth from Devontae Wyatt and and stuff around him. Like you said, I mean, the last month without Gary, maybe it's that's part of why. Is there now? All right, our focal point is Kenny Clark, and and if you can focus all your attention there and not have to worry about Gary. I mean, Gary was second in pressure rate for us before he went down. Like he was right. having a ridiculous season. Um, yeah, I think it just maybe that's part of it too. Is they can just key in on him as the one threat to rush the passer. I want to talk to you about Justin Fields because I, I I feel like so this is this is my my timeline with the Justin Field selection one pissed on draft day just like I can't believe it at least the Bears traded draft picks for him but I think he's going to be a very good quarterback then we go through last year I'm like look people want to like crucify him or whatever like he's a rookie quarterback in my mind I'm just like a rookie year doesn't count right like the next season is what matters like you look at I even said the same thing about Zach Wilson then you see Zach Wilson the first month of the year and you're like they maybe should go in a different direction here because he was the fourth best quarterback on last year's team. And now he's not playing very good. And now, now he ends up being benched. Um, Justin Fields at the beginning of this year, I almost felt bad. I almost was this close to feeling bad. Cause I was like, I prayed on his downfall so hard. I think the NFL might be losing one of the, like a, a young talented quarterback because the situation around him is so bad. Well, now you look forward to now and it seems like he's on the right track. It feels like, they know what they're doing um, in terms of his progression, what kind of a team they want to be. They spent the draft pick on uh, Chase Claypool. You know, it seems like they have the right offensive coordinator there in uh, Getze. Um, how have you kind of been like consumed this whole like Justin Fields roller coaster? Because it felt like it was over a little bit. Well, so to get to that point, I actually remember coming into the Minnesota game, I was like, if he doesn't have like an average outing, like 200 passing yards, like or one touchdown pass, because we actually we were betting his under half touchdown pass prop. It hit like five of the first six weeks. It was like it was it was getting sad at a certain point. But yeah. I think the big thing is Getty finally realized, like, you can't just run zone read like they've been running QB power, pin and pull like a counter. Like they've been doing so many different things. And. It just, they had to change the offense, change the playbook, change everything in that mini buy going into the New England game. And it's, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. I, I mean, I also think that 
for folks that think it's just with his legs. I know the box score is not there with throwing, but he's making throws that you did not see him even see, you know, in, in games past where he's going through a full progression, finding his third or fourth option, but also where he just, He's understanding like windows, how to manipulate safeties, like all the little intricacies are starting to kind of stack up and he's not making the same mistake twice. So look, there's still plenty of room for growth. There's no question about that. But I always say this is my frame of reference. Like when the Trubisky experience was happening, I never like on a week to week basis was like, all right, like he's stacking like good performances and he's, he's not making the rookie. Like it was this, it was always the same. Whereas fields, like he's still making mistakes, but they're new mistakes or, or he's seeing things differently. And like, I think the big thing was with man coverage, like it killed him. Like he could not complete passes, do anything against man coverage. And I think unlocking his legs against man corners that have their backs to him and they can't like flip their hips and get up and, and try to make a tackle when he scrambles, like that has then opened up the passing game. Like it's it's all been cohesive. But yeah, I would say, look, still time, jury's still out. But I'll tell you this, I don't know if they believed in him, the new regime. I really don't. And now they do. They're now like, all right, we're going to build around this kid. We believe in this kid long term. Let's figure this thing out. I don't think they wanted to sabotage him. But like I'll tell you, like they were coming into it being like, he needs to prove us wrong to not take his replacement in this year's draft class. Yeah, I mean, they didn't do much to help him this offseason, right? I mean, the most help that he got really was at the trade deadline with the Claypool trade. How how did you experience the Claypool trade? I want to hear that from a Bears fan perspective. Because when I heard, you know, Green Bay offered a second round pick for Chase Clay- for two years, basically of Chase Claypool, I was like, "Oh man, that's that's a what? That's a what?" Same thing with DJ Moore. To be fair, the fact that they offered a top what now is the eighth overall pick in the draft right. for DJ Moore is mind blowing to me. I can't believe that was even offered on the table. Yeah, so I can tell you this. So uh, I actually knew kind of what was going. This is I got not breaking news. It happened forever ago. But basically, Green Bay offered Pittsburgh a fourth. I want to say like a month before the trade deadline, right? And Pittsburgh countered and said, if it doesn't start with a three, we're not interested. And so Green Bay and them kind of went back and forth. I think eventually a third did get on the table, probably like a third and a six or something like that. And they thought they were close. And the Bears kind of came flying in out of nowhere and offered the first. They offered the Ravens second. They just got for Roquan Smith. Green Bay said, all right, we'll give you our second, which is going to be better than Baltimore's. And then finally Chicago comes comes in over the top, obviously, and offers their own second. So here's my thing. Like, as a Bears fan, I'm complaining about them not doing enough, not getting him enough help. I can't then be, like, so upset and mad they went out and added a wide receiver. But, dude, a top 35 pick for for a year and a half of Chase Claypool is an awful trade. And I said that the day it happened. I'm not saying it now because he has 75 receiving yards in his first, like, four games as a Bear. Um, I mean, he's not a number one. He's probably a, a good number two. And he was number three in Pittsburgh. But I think the thing, though, is that they needed that skill set on the team. Like, they needed a, a big-body guy that can just box out on downfield throws. Like, Mooney and Fields work, and I think Claypool and him work, because, like, that's what Fields does. He's not going to be quick game. It's not going to be, you know, it's going to be downfield shots or, you know, yak stuff with getting it to Claypool on a screen, stuff like that. So, I think the fit makes sense. He, he's a willing and I think solid blocker too, yeah. which, you know, as you know, gets those guys, they care a ton about that. But yeah, long answer short, it was a massive overpay. There's, there's no question about it. Same time though, you look at free agency. I love the guy, but Jacoby Byers is the best free agent in wide receiver, you know, wide receiver. And he's like a solid slot. They ran a four, seven at the, four, at the combine. Like that's, that's your alternative. Um, so yeah, long answer short, it, it was an overpay, but I, you know, you, you have to take it and be happy that fields now has, two, you know, at least passable number two receivers in Mooney and Claypool. 
it's got to be a good time to be an agent that represents wide receivers right now. I mean, goodness gracious, like the cap is going to go up and a, a lot of that has to be going to wideouts. None of them are hitting the market. And when they do, it's like, yeah, Christian Kirk is making $17 million per year. It's, it's nuts. We're seeing all these trades now with the wide receivers specifically. It's, it feels like it's getting out of hand, but like the market hasn't reset at all. And some of these teams who have traded away some of these wide receivers, unless you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback are struggling. So it's kind of justified. It's weird. Um, But the Claypool thing, are you guys using him like Alan Lazard a little bit? I, I know, you know, when Getsy was here, Getsy was the offensive coordinator and they'd motion in Alan Lazard, do a bunch of like insert stuff. They're doing less of that now, actually. I, I think it's because, you know, they're not really running a lot of like the inside zone stuff that they used to do. Um, they're running a lot more like just pin and pull, honestly, when they're in the gun and, and just throwing R- RPOs off of that. So they need wide receivers out there. It's not a whole lot of like run it runs from under center where these guys are running inside. Um, is he being used at all in that way? Cause that kind of, that's what I assume Goot and those guys saw in, in Claypool. They could see like, oh, here's our, you know, Alan Lazard replacement that is going to be very cheap in terms of cap hits in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that's the goal. I think that's where they want to get. Uh, right now, he's basically just been like the X. And I didn't know th- how they were going to treat that. Like, I thought maybe they would keep, um, you know, ESB, speaking of, you know, their Packers receiver. Like, he, he's been solid. He's been a good blocker. Mm-hmm. He's been, you know, makes a couple big catches when you need him. I thought he would stay at the X, and they kind of have Claypool and, and Mooney switch between Z and slot and kind of get creative with it. He's really honestly just been running, like, go routes and, and posts and fades. Like, I don't think we've seen the full offense with him yet, but – you know, in Pittsburgh, like they love to bring him on jet motion and like do a lot of different things with him. I think that's where they're trending towards. But to be honest, like as of right now, we really don't know. It's just the playbook for him has been pretty limited so far. I'm not surprised Justin Fields is progressing in season and feeling better about his progressions and stuff like that because of what he came out of Ohio State. And I don't know if you've seen Stroud. I don't. I don't love Stroud, man. I really don't. He seems like he's on that like. Tannehill, Goff, like Haskins, um, Cousins spectrum of like this, it, it walks like a duck, but it doesn't quack. Like it, it doesn't really make sense. And that Ohio State offense is so weird because they have so many good wide receivers and their offensive tackles usually are so much better than the edge rushers that they're facing in the Big Ten, just in terms of athleticism around the edge, that they're able to run like – five steps on three-step protection or seven steps on five on five-man protection like Stroud isn't really taking any any actual deep drops that aren't off of play action and that's just not realistic compared to like what you like you're gonna have to do that on third down in the NFL and he's gotten like literally goose egg zero reps at it and this guy is supposed to be second overall pick in the draft and when you ask the guys like all right Traits wise, what do you like about Stroud, right? Because you could look at Bryce Young, dynamic athlete, can make all sorts of weird thro- throws with the arm angles that he can he can have, right? You look at Levis. I'm not a huge uh, a Levis guy, but um, he can at least you see the arm talent. I, I think it's the Daniel Jones thing all over again. I think he's pretty close to him as a prospect. But then you look at Stroud and you're like, okay, what do you like? And it's like, oh, he's the quarterback of a really good Ohio State team. And he had good stats. And it's like, that's, but we've seen that fail at the NFL level. Like, I just, I don't see him being the the game changer. And I don't think that offense really helps these guys. 
I no, I completely agree. The spread it it makes things complicated with him too. Like, find me a highlight of him like outside of structure, like doing something yeah. where it's like it's hard. Not I mean, there's there's probably some, but like. You know, Fields obviously wasn't a runner. He was not doing what he's doing now at Ohio State. But, like, if he had to bail out of a messy pocket and make a play happen, like, he could do it. And he still mm-hmm. can do it. You just don't really see that from Stroud. But I will say, like, I, I don't know. The Levis hype, I, you know, we're already making the joke. Like, what GM is he going to get fired when, when he inevitably gets drafted? Look, if you lose to my Vanderbilt Commodores, it, it, it doesn't <laughs> bode well for you at all. <laughs> I, I will say I was I was coping pretty hard in uh, a group chat that I have with, like, guys like Charles McDonald and stuff like that. And I was like, I I kind of understand the Levis thing because you see like the arm talent. And my whole point was just kind of the same thing I talked about with Stroud, with Stroud which is like, at least he has a trait. And I was like, okay, where's his like dream landing spot? And then we went through all the teams that like need a quarterback this year. And I'm like, there's like a 2% chance he actually hits that. Because it's like, what is he going to do on the Texans? Like there's no one there to coach him on the Texans. Like you just look through the list and it's like uh, Detroit. Is that re- yeah? Like is that gonna move the needle? I don't think so. They'll probably just ride with Goff for another year if those are their options. So like probably yeah. Yeah, I I don't I don't like Levis's chances. Um, I think Stroud can be an okay quarterback coming in, but I think he's he's one of those guys where it's like if he does make it to that fifth year option, it's like damn, we're gonna have to extend this guy and pay him like $40 million or whatever it's going to be for like an average quarterback at that point, which not the best place you want to be in. Not ideal. Well, the, the group of players you put them with are all those guys that they spend a bunch of money on and then can't, you know, really win around them. Yeah. Levis, I, I maybe like a trade up team, like an in India or a Washington, which, you know, I don't know who'd be. I mean, I like Scott Turner. I shouldn't, I shouldn't diss, yeah. diss those coaching staffs, but like, yeah, that's that. That was what makes sense to me because I think you know they want just like a tough, gritty. You know, all the all the cliches about white quarterbacks throw in there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not a believer. I'm sure I'll be wrong. Uh, this isn't the question, but I, I think Bryce Young. I know he's slender and all that, but I, I think he's going to be a star. I really do. Yeah, he's he's the one I would take a risk on, and I get all that stuff. I mean, I've had people who have been you know sidelined for some of those Bama games and stuff like that, and they're like. He is shorter and skinnier than what they're listing him at, and he was already listed pretty short and skinny. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does the Kyler Murray thing where it's like, yeah, I'll measure in at the combine, and then you're trying to get him to line up next to anything on the pro day, and he just will not go anywhere near anything that measures stuff. So still trying to figure out how Kyler Murray – what was it, like 5'10"? There's no way. That's what it says. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still trying to – because you always hear stories about like how – because – I've been around agents before, right? Um, especially when uh, we were at the XFL, which was during that time. And you always hear like, you know, the little hacks of like uh, the vertical jump, right? Like you you squeeze your shoulder blades in. So when you go up and touch your fingertips, like it gives you like an extra, you know, inch, inch and a half, two inches, whatever it may be. No one can figure out how Kyle Murray ended up, you know, measuring in that high. <laughs> but it was fraudulent. No it one could prove fraudulent. it. Yeah. But it was fraudulent. It yeah, it was like you know like the people who like break your legs to make you grow taller and all that all that like voodoo yes. shit. Like he was doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right. Uh let's take a break and then we'll get into this upcoming game. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. I want to start off, since we already mentioned it, the Chicago Bears offense. Uh, Matt LaFleur early in the week basically said, like, they aren't splitting game plans. They aren't doing, you know, preparing for multiple quarterbacks. They are preparing for Justin Fields. Um, He ended up coming in, being limited on Wednesday. We're recording now on Thursday. He was a full participant. So that looks like a pretty good bet that he's going to end up starting. Um, I'm really worried about his legs right now. Just because, I mean, I know he has that dinged up shoulder, but Jalen Hurts had 100 rushing yards in a single quarter against the Packers. The Packers, um, LaFleur said, they had him down for 22 missed tackles last game. Seems like Reedy Ford is going to be starting again at safety because Darnell Savage is out with that foot injury. He played one snap last game, um, was, you know, replaced as the starter by Reedy Ford. Savage came on and one uh, dime snap got hurt, missed the rest of the game, hasn't been at practice since. It seems like Devondre Campbell is going to be able to play this game. You know, he's been out, we mentioned earlier, uh, since the Buffalo game with a knee injury. They haven't had an answer at inside linebacker. Last week, they were rotating Chris Barnes and Isaiah McDuffie just because it seemed like they would just get pissed at one of them for missing a tackle, pull him, throw the other guy in. Problem is, neither one of them could tackle. So that didn't help at all. Um, hopefully... Campbell can kind of stabilize that a little bit. I assume if he plays again, or if he plays this week, he'll be the green dot. Rookie Quay Walker has been the green dot, like a signal caller, having the radio and the helmet um, since he's been, since uh, Campbell's been hurt. Really, the pass rush has been weird. Um, Kingsley Adigbari has been like really good recently. Um, fifth, Fifth round rookie. He legitimately looks like he's getting better every single game, which is nice to see. But at the end of the day, he right now still is like 250. He might be playing high 240s, honestly, if you just like look at his frame. They got Justin Hollins, who had a TFL and a sack last week. Um, Didn't practice with the team until Thanksgiving, was playing on Sunday. Who knows what the heck they're going to do there. It seems like they're getting some good results out of these outside linebackers, though, because Tipa Nalia was supposed to come off of injured reserve. Um, They designated to return uh, three weeks ago, his like window to practice is three weeks. He was supposed to be promoted on Wednesday. They just let it expire and let him go back to injured reserve. So they seem to be fine with the outside linebackers that they have. At least these are the guys that they want to see on the field. So it'll be interesting to see what they t- can do against Justin Fields. The problem is like 
Holland's made a couple smash pl- splash, splash plays, but the thing with Kingsley is like he's really good at generating pressure, but his hips are still a little bit tight. Um, you know, he wasn't a great tester in the in the combine, which is why he ended up falling from second, third round pick to down to the fifth round. He's not great at finishing, and like they got to finish against Justin Fields. We just saw it against against Jalen Hurts, so. I'm feeling bad about the Justin Fields matchup right now. I think you guys got the chance if he's running for 80 yards. The running is going to be huge because, so you know, going to injury reports. So Riley Reef and Larry Borum, mm-hmm. so starting and backup right tackle, did not practice today. I'm not sure if either guy is going to be good for the game. I couldn't even tell you who is going to be the presumed starter. Like maybe Alex Leatherwood gets some shot, gets some run. I'm not even sure where we're at there. The offensive line has been bad. I don't think it's been, like, as catastrophic as it's been made out to be. So you can beat them. I mean, they're dead last for us in pressure rate on true pass sets. But there is some component of, you know, Fields' second-highest average time to throw, and that is playing into it a little bit um, with with them giving up pressures. Rookie Braxton Jones on the left side, I think, honestly, has been a good player. Uh, It was a good find for them. But with no Darnell Mooney in this game, and then Claypool did get a full in today, I think, or maybe a limited. He's been hurt. Yeah, so... It's going to be the run game. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, you guys give up 363 yards or whatever it was to the Eagles. Like, that's how Chicago's going to win. If, if Fields can evade the pressure and then scramble. I mean, I think Quay is a good answer. I feel like he's, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I've seen better tape from the last couple of weeks. Like, more so in, like, identifying screens and, and blowing some stuff up in the backfield. But his athleticism, I think, kind of speaks for itself. So, like, that'll be a big matchup there. The, 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 the scary side, though, is, that, I mean, the Bears defense and the, now it's Jaquan Brisker's not going to play. Kyler Gordon's not going to yeah. play. Eddie Jackson's out for the year. On paper, it's the worst defense in the NFL by, like, a wide, wide margin. Yeah, and that's not including the fact, you know, last time around, the Bears had Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, and, and they're not hanging out anymore, right? No. Um, I, I, I think the thing I worry the most about the Bears' offense, beyond just being able to run the ball with the quarterback, is – you know, they had struggles with David Montgomery down the stretch and Khalil Herbert, honestly. Um, in the second half of that Packers-Bears game the first time around this year, it was because Green Bay kind of didn't think Chicago was going to commit to the run that hard. You know, they're getting into long down distances. Um, the Bears are, you know, down multiple scores, and the Bears were still running. The Packers are out there, you know, in nickel personnel going against 12 and 21. Um, which is, you know, two tight ends or two, you know, a, f- a fullback in there or whatever. Um, so they're they're down a big body and they just getting gashed left and right. You know, the Bears weren't able to pull it out at the end, but I could see a scenario where, you know, the Green Bay doesn't want to necessarily play um, Devondre Campbell or Quay Walker as the single inside linebacker in like a penny front, right? So it's like the three, four front, at the line of scrimmage, but only one inside linebacker. They they usually do that, but I mean, Campbell's coming off of this knee injury, right? Are you going to have him do it? Walker, they haven't been wanting to do that with Walker since Campbell's been out. And some of that is probably he's a young, you know, he's a young inside linebacker. You can't have him be playing sideline to sideline like that when he's the only guy at that level. And he's also calling, calling signals for the defense. Like what if the bears get into 11, the Packers are just out there in their nickel looks and they're just getting gashed every single play. Cause we've seen that pretty much all year. Like whenever they go into nickel, you can pretty much get up to their inside linebackers because their defensive linemen aren't good enough. So that's the ma- the major red flag I have. Cause you can get into that stuff and Claypool and, and St. Brown, they block, they'll block you. 
So they can yeah. come into the formation and act like another tight end. Yeah, I mean, and Pringle can block when they bring like he's back now, healthy, had a touchdown against the Jets, but like he's a very good blocker too. I mean, Komet is I think is a solid all around player at this point, which almost surprises me more than maybe anyone. But um, yeah, and, and the and the offensive line too. Like when Tevin Jenkins is in there, I mean, he's been a phenomenal run blocker this year. He's a true road grader. He's gonna pancake some dudes. The thing is, not that it's a huge deal, but Khalil Herbert is a much better fit in kind of the wide zone rushing attack they're trying to deploy most of all. Like, Montgomery just likes to dance still. He's a good player. He's a better pass protector, better pass catcher. But Herbert was just a, like, one-cut get-up field guy. And, and I think losing that element to your offense, like, this is a game where it would be huge to have him. Um, and, and, you know, so, I mean, we'll see some trust at Ebner. He's been interesting. He's got some bursts, but I think he's kind of still figuring out the NFL game to a degree. But yeah, that is, that is the Bears' best shot, no question. Um, is if they can just you know control the clock, run the ball down your throat. But I, I'm telling you, the defense is, is that bad that it still might not matter. Who who do we have to worry about on the defense? Because I remember Dominic Robinson was the guy against San Francisco. Was like Trent Williams has a tell, right? And that that yep. became a whole <laughs> narrative. He had a great game against him. Now it's just memes. Every play, it seems like any any time Trent Williams decletes someone, someone quote tweets it and is like. Couldn't they tell out of the stance? Couldn't they tell by the stance? Um, but I'm looking at the depth chart. Like, Jaquan Brisker, one, was having a great year. He would have made all-rookie team, you know, uh, uh, in my opinion. He was a guy that the Packers brought in on a 30 visit, so that one kind of hurts where you see the struggling safety uh, roster. It looks like Adrian Amos is probably on the downside now of his career, and, you know, Savage got benched. Rudy Ford is in there. They missed 22 tackles last game, like, could have used the Jaquan Brisker, but the, the corner that I really worry about is Jalen Johnson, right? Um, he He's the only guy left at this point that I can circle if Dominic Robinson is applying up to what he was doing the, the first half of the season. Yeah, no, he, he's the only guy that you want to know where he's at and, and maybe avoid him to a degree. He hasn't been quite up to his last year's standards. I think he's dealing with some injuries, but he is still like a lockdown guy that you just, if you don't have to target him, you should probably avoid it. But that's the thing, too, though, is like the pass rush is not going to get home. So yeah. Rodgers is going to have time. He can sit back there. Yeah, Robinson, good for a rookie. He's also like an undersized guy they're trying to like add weight to to become a true kind of four down you know, defensive end. And I think he'll be a good player. But like him, Travis Gibson, those guys, they're not consistent, you know, winning one-on-one reps. The interior with Justin Jones and Angelo Blackson, Armin Watts, like they're not, you know, scaring anyone. Honestly, Wisconsin product Jack Sanborn might be the best player on the defense in this game, as, as scary as that sounds. I've seen a bunch of, like, the Badgers. Co- what was it? He won – did he run like, win, like, rookie of the week or something one week? I, I know He had, like, 13 tackles and a sack, so he probably won it that week, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw, like, every uh, Badgers coach, like, tweeted out some graphic with Jack Sanborn on it. Um, it'll be interesting to see this week what the Packers do at wide receiver. Um because, you know, Christian Watson's got this breakout now. It is completely tanked Sammy Watkins snaps. Like, no doubt about it. He is getting Sammy Watkins snaps now. Sammy Watkins is on the field for, like, 15% of the snaps when, you know, a couple weeks into the season, he was, like, their number one wide receiver when Alan Lazard was dealing with the shoulder and stuff like that. Romeo Dobbs um, finally came back to practice yesterday. He's been back, back-to-back practices as a limited participant you would assume that he's going to go based off of that participation. We haven't really seen like, so Romeo Dobbs broke out, he gets hurt. And then Christian Watson breaks out immediately. They kind of do play different roles. Like Christian Watson is the X. That's why he's getting the snaps from Sammy Watkins, but we haven't seen them on the field yet. So I I don't know how they're going to work with this rotation of, you know, Watson, 
Dobbs, Lazard, Cobb, and then in the very, very back of the mind, Watkins, especially with Dobbs, you know, just coming off of the knee. So um, I don't know what they're going to throw out there. I'm just just hoping some of these young guys make some plays. Alan Lazard, by the way, has just been very silent. You know, you come into the season, they tagged him. He did the or uh, they tendered him. Um, he they did the whole thing where it's like Alan Lazard isn't showing up to training or OTAs. Like he's only going to show up to training camp. Seems like he wants to get paid. Rogers talks him up. He talks himself up. They're like he's ready for the breakout year. There's no breakout year, and they're not doing the Alan Lazard like insert. It's it's not like he's doing a ton, ton, ton of the dirty work. Like he's probably doing less of it than he has any other time that he's been in Green Bay. So I I think he's a guy that probably going to hit the free agent market. I mean, we'll see if he gets the 17 million per that Chris and Christian Kirk ended up getting or whatever. Yeah. I think at this point, if you can get Dobbs and uh, Watson out there playing good football together, that's probably, you know, your two outside guys, maybe run it back with Cobb or, or whatever Rogers wants to do um, on the interior. But I, I'm honestly like, I'm excited to see both of those guys um, finally now playing good football. I mean, Watson, like you can just tell he was, he's still figuring out football really like at a fundamental level, but his talent is ridiculous. I mean, breaking away in that touchdown last week, um, what was it? Marcus Epps who ran like a four, three, five at the combine. He just beat him to the, to the, the corner. Yeah. Uh, he took a good angle too. It just didn't matter. So like, I, I think Chicago's going to sit back and cover two. Um, and they, I mean, they disguise coverage a little bit, maybe less without Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Briscoe. They, they do try to. Like, I actually think Iberflus and Alan Williams have done a good job this year. The talent is just non-existent. They got no but, horses, man. They yeah, got no horses. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the best coach on the planet. Like, you don't have any talent. So, like, I think they will get creative on the back end, but it's a lot of just two high shells um, and just kind of keep everything in front of you and death by a thousand paper cuts type stuff, which obviously works against a guy like Christian Watson. Or, or in theory, you want to just not let him, you know, break something off big. But Rodgers is going to have time. And he's going to be able to pick on like Kendall Vildor's, you know, is an okay corner, been probably better than expected this year, but not like a guy that, you know, fears, you know, put, puts any fear in you. Um, yeah, I think that Rogers playing in this game, I think part of it is he knows he's about to carve up the Chicago Bears defense. It'll be interesting to see like how willing he is as a guy on the move too. what really killed them early on in the season is like you get any sort of man, they just weren't able to separate. Right. And now we get, Christian Watson, um, who I, I, I'm a Ducks fan. So like uh, they use this term when they used to talk about DeAnthony Thomas, right. Who's, you know, electric, they would call him like faster than geometry. Like you could take the angles. It doesn't matter. Like yeah, that's yeah. what Christian Watson has been doing in recent weeks. And they asked um, Stenovich, the offensive coordinator about this today. And they're like, is the difference between like, they just scored 33 points. Right. And I know they just lost to the Eagles, but they've had, their two best offensive performances in the last three weeks. And they're like, is it just because Christian Watson can go out there and be fast? And he's like, yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and Rogers has talked about the confidence thing with these young receivers. He's talked about it with Dobbs and Watson, where he's like, when they get down on themselves, they're like really down. And he said, like, you could see it instantly. Like just that first touchdown catch for Watson, how it completely changed like everything for him. And he's like, I haven't been around like a confidence swing like that before. But, like, he's a different dude now. So it seems like they're going to keep leaning into that. I mean, they're giving him all the snaps that he can handle right now. So that's a nice thing to see. Um, if they are going to play a bunch too high, though, they'll probably end up running the ball. I mean, that's just kind of who they have been this year. I, I thought it was funny against the Cowboys. Um, I think it was 
all but two of their passes came against the Cowboys when the Cowboys were running cover one. So like the Packers basically like they get two shell. They're just running it every time you spin into one high, they'll throw it on you. Like they've really, because of, you know, young guys, you can't have all the wrinkles. They haven't been running a bunch of motion. They're not able to use a bunch of hurry up, no huddle stuff. Like we're just getting down there playing like pretty basic football. It's just become like a, are you too high? Or are you single high? This is how we're going to combat it. Like that's just kind of how, who they are this year. Yeah, and the Bears are also bottom 10 in EPA per rush allowed. Since they traded Roquan, it, they're dead last in EPA per rush allowed. So it's – I do. I think if they sit back in too high, the Green Bay should just pound the rock. I mean, you can move these defensive linemen very easily. Um, so, and that would, yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense too. It's like why complicate it when you can just keep it simple and just, you know, keep Justin Fields, same thing. Just don't let him do anything magical. Just move down the field. Have your patented eight minute drive and and you know end it with a touchdown. I do think Rogers is gonna get one bullshit touchdown in this game. One of those like goal line, we motion three guys, guys wide open, running butt naked. Cause he he wants to get his. He has oh to. yeah. He has to want to get his. Um so what are we thinking in this game? The line is two and a half, uh Green Bay's favorite on the road. Are we just assuming short game? I, I guess that's what we're thinking, right? Neither defense can stop the run for crap. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. this thing will be, be over in three hours. This thing <laughs> it might be, be, yeah. Uh, um, I think that just the way that you're talking about the defense, I think Green Bay probably ends up covering that just because they've been hot offensively recently. I think, you know, relatively, like I know Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are both on the injury report, but like they're going to play. Romeo Dobbs is going to give them another body at wide receiver. The only guy that they're really going to miss is Darnell Savage at safety. I'm probably going to go with the Green Bay cover here, but I would enjoy if it was a short game. Get this thing done in three hours. No one needs to spend four hours on this game on Sunday. They certainly do not. No, the shorter the better. I, I mean, I think I, I completely agree Green Bay covers here. I'm surprised the spread's that short, even with all the issues in Green Bay. And obviously he has the oblique and the thumb and all those things. But I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Bill Huber, you know, the stat he put out too, that uh, Mitch Trubisky is fifth all-time in Bears touchdown passes with 64, and Rodgers has 63 against the Chicago Bears alone in his career. So if he throws two touchdown passes, he's top five all-time for Chicago Bears uh, touchdown That's passes, great. which is just an incredible stat. But, yeah, no, I think it will be a short game. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a blowout necessarily, but I think they'll win, like, 27-17, you know, similar to the first game, really. Uh, I think that would technically be the over. It's pretty. I think it's a pretty low total. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. I, I don't think it's going to be a – I will say this, though. It is, again, another narrative thing, but there's the whole underlying narrative of if the Packers win this game, they, yes. they surpass Chicago. Yeah, for – and I remember when the first time – And the all, first game and all they, time all-time wins, which right. you thought this was going to happen. They talked – weren't we, yes. like, tied after, like, week two? Yes, they thought it was going to happen in the long. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you guys, I think, lost. Uh, well, you lost week one in Minnesota, I guess. And that's what, that's what, and the Bears beat the Niners. That's what, like, pushed, yeah. but, but the reporters asked him about, I asked Matt Eberflus about that. And he was like, he usually says nothing. He's very close to the vest, but he was like, yeah, like a lot of people in the building, including ownership, were like very happy that it didn't happen. So, like, the Bears are going to be motivated. No question about it. A bunch of dudes that are trying to prove their NFL careers, you know, should continue. Yeah. But the, the talent mismatch is, is evident for sure. Yeah, even for a team this bad, are are you? Yeah. Who do you want at number two? You guys are sitting at number two right now. If they take, if the Texans take Bryce Young off the board, 
because I just started watching college prospects in depth today. I watched, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, the Northwestern left tackle. Uh, something yep, out of a or something like that. Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know uh, how to pronounce his name. He's good, though. He yeah. might play guard. Apparently, he has like 33-inch arms, which is like the same as Rashawn Slater. But for some reason, it's a big deal for this guy. He's he's pretty good. He's an asshole. Oh, you're talking dude. about tackle. My bad. You're talking about Peter Skaronsky. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. a good player, for sure. I watched him, and I was like, he he's not that like – if he does play guard, he's not like the Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin level prospect, but he's like right underneath it. I was talking to Brandon Thorne about it, who – there, no one cares about offensive line play more than Brandon Thorne. Yeah. He is my go-to guy. I worked with him for years when I was doing uh, Bleacher Report draft stuff. Um, he compared him to Joe Thune, and I was like, that's a pretty good comp. That makes a lot of sense. He's a good player. And then I watched Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver out of TCU, who I don't uh, just I don't know. I wouldn't take him an eight. But, again, we go back to your point of, like, can't bitch about them needing a wide receiver and then, like, not take one when, when he's there. It, it, who's your hope? For the Bears at the number two spot if Bryce Young is off the board? It's an easy answer for me. It's Jalen Carter out of Georgia. I mean, this defense just yeah, needs a, a three-tech. Yeah, he's a monster. But the defense also just, like, needs a three-tech so badly. It's the biggest deficiency you can tell. I mean, I, really, the answer is probably trade down if some team comes up for Will Levis or something, and then you take, like, yeah. a Skaronsky or something like that. But if they sit at two, if Bryce Young is gone, I'm running the card in it with Jalen Carter. <laughs> And they're not in a terrible spot for that, at least as it stands today. I mean, who knows if they're going to be in the two spot by the end of the season. But if someone needs a quarterback, you already got a quarterback, you assume, yep. at least for the next year. And you're down a second-round pick, so they're probably going to want to earn that back in some way. It, it's so – do you think it's weird that NFL teams operate like that? That, like, it's like, oh, we had two first-round picks, so we knew we could use one of them for this thing. Or we wanted to get that second-round pick back. But it's – it is how these teams operate. They do want like a pick in every round. It's kind of weird. The whole process is weird. They also like, there's a big thing of, they view their own picks that they earned very differently than picks they acquired. I can tell you this, for example, yeah. the two seconds that became Christian Watson were trying to become Darren Waller for months. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I honestly think when they sat there, at, like, it was like 45, 59, wherever the two picks were, they were like, all right, let's just move up and get this kid out of North Dakota State. Like, because it wasn't their pick and it was the Raiders pick, it just it, they're so much more willing to move on from it. But they do. They want to pick in every round. I think they scout certain areas. They're confident they're going to be able to land a guy they're high on or something like that. But, yeah, their whole treatment of picks is funny. Like, it's very, I don't know. There's almost like a superstition about it. It's kind of weird. I want to talk about Darren Waller really quickly because I want to hear what you've heard about the situation. Because I got tipped off right before the Devontae Adams trade. Got told Devontae Adams is moving. The trade on the table is uh, uh, first-round pick Darren Waller for Devontae Adams. Don't hear anything for a couple of days. Don't hear anything for a couple of days. Then it's, you know, Devontae for a first and second. You go, huh, it's weird it didn't end up being Darren Waller. What happened there? Talk to the guy. What ended up happening, from, from what I've heard, they tried to trade Devontae for the first and Darren Waller. The problem is, you can't trade a player who is franchise tagged and yep. hasn't signed his tender yet for another player that is not allowed. So they actually, the Raiders and Packers sent it to the league and the league had to say, guys, that actually doesn't work. They ended up, I think it was for, I think it was two days that this lasted um, where they were talking this stuff out. I think in the meantime, they had signed Bobby Tunyon to that one year deal. Um, 
I think later, like as the draft approached, they were trying to trade for Waller again. Raiders said no. Um, obviously, we got the stuff at the trade deadline. Raiders said no again, um, which made way more sense then because they had already given him that contract at that point. Right. Like that they, they had a way better shot at doing a pre-draft than they did post-contract. Does that pass what what you had heard about the situation? Yep, that's all the same there. Um, I don't think people realize, like, if Waller didn't get that extension, he wasn't going to play this year. Like, I mean, I can't yeah. speak for him, like, but that's basically what I was saying. Well, told. that was like, part was... of the deal to Green Bay. It's that he yeah. was going to be paid that money. Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. So, so it was like, it got out of the wire there. I know they checked in during the draft. They came back again, like, later on, probably like July, August, when there still hadn't been an extension yet. And they were like, hey, like, is, is he still available? And I think at that time, Las Vegas was like, you know, now we're just going to figure it out and get him back on the field. But, they were talking for like six months and, and going back and forth and trying to get something done. And I thought it would have been a great fit. You know, like I, he would have been perfect in Green Bay, I feel like. Uh, we were in the hunt. Packers fans yeah, yeah. love to hear that. You were so close to getting someone. They just couldn't yeah. get eye to eye. They actually did agree to this one. I can't even complain. Right, all right. Like the Raiders changed their mind. And what can you do? You can't make a makeup trade. So, no. Nope. Can't trade that first round pick for the, you can't do the Devontae Adams for Darren Waller swap. So, all right, man. Um, plug all your stuff. Let them know what you're doing at PFF. For sure. Yeah. So uh, we just dropped our top 25 free agents list. That'll be expanded out to 250. Um, and that's, as of right now, me just grinding tape and looking at contract comparisons and all those things. Um, so Elton Jenkins is on there. He's on the top 10. Uh, just throw out a little packer. But, yeah, so anything free agent related, we're getting there. It's December now. Um, yeah. That's that's all my stuff at uh, PFF.com. Awesome, man. Um, enjoy this game. Hopefully you're not uh, rained on like you were for the Giants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be it'll be a fun one. I actually am excited for it. I don't know why, but I think with both teams nothing to play for, it's kind of let's just play some football. It just it has gotten to like dumb, reductive point at you like I own you and just like no, you don't. <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah. what it is with the underlying thing of like if they lose, either side will just be like, ha ha ha, you messed up your draft spot. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing to play like. There's so little to play for, but so much to play for at the same time, exactly. especially with the all-time wins thing hanging over the top. Yeah, no, 100%. It, uh, I mean, that's the thing. That's what Bears fans were used to that. If we lose, we say, hey, yeah, but the draft pick will be better. That's, we, we've gotten very <laughs> comfortable with that uh, that coping mechanism, unfortunately. Unfortunately, uh, Packers fans are are joining you this year. So Yeah, welcome, go, welcome. Go Pack Go. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS Via, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.